If you're a first or second time guest with us this morning or watching us on Facebook, we're really glad that you're here and watching. Today is going to be the last part of this series based on the book, The Church God Blesses by Jim Cimbala. I hope that all of you will be blessed by being with us because we're pretty cool ourselves. But our goal is that you're transformed by being in the presence of God. And I hope that's already happened. Before I moved to Dubois to take this senior pastor position, I was the associate pastor at the Elmira Free Methodist Church under the guidance of Pastor Jim Payne, who mentored me into full-time ministry in the Free Methodist Church. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, that poor Pastor Jim. He had to put up with you. You would be right. Because towards the end, Pastor Jim and I were kind of like a mother and a teenage child. You know, the teenagers who think they know it all and they're ready to tackle the world and they think you're, you don't know anything. It's, didn't, but Pastor Jim, I didn't think I didn't think you knew anything. Okay, the point was, is I was getting frustrated um, because I couldn't wait. It was, I finally reached the point where I couldn't wait to have my own church. And I think you understand. I couldn't wait to implement my own ideas, um, to do it my way. I was getting frustrated in New York because I didn't feel free and released into what God was calling me to do. And then the day finally came, and we moved down here, and I set up my office the first week, and in the second week, I sat down at my desk in my new position that I was dying to move into. Couldn't wait to rush into it. And all of a sudden, it hit me. The weight of the responsibility of leading God's people to heaven. I sat there and I thought, what in the world did I wish for? What have, what have you called me to, Lord? I can't do this. Why was I in such a hurry? Pastor Jim, can I come home? No, Mark. It's, it's just like a teenager, right? Do you know it's normal for a teenager to, to have that spirit of independence and want to leave the nest and fly the nest? That's what we want for them. But there's conflict the teenager sometimes wants to leave way too early. They want to rush into life because they think they know it all and they're ready for the world. And do you know that most teenagers that leave early, do you know what they most of the time do? They come crawling back. Pastor Josh just worded it. They come crawling back because life was a lot harder than they expected or thought it would be. But oh, were they ready to rush into it, weren't they? Maybe you've been in a similar situation. Maybe, maybe even life was going well at some point and you made a hasty decision like you quit a job or you moved. You went into debt for a house or a car. Your life was just kind of on autopilot. You were moving along and there weren't any real clear directions or goals. It was just good, you know, so you were just kind of doing life kind of as it came. Life was going so well that church wasn't even on the radar and you don't even know the last time that you talked to God. Things were just good. And then all of a sudden you realize that maybe the hasty decision that you made was not such a good decision after all. The new job ended up being worse than the one you quit. How many have been there? Don't raise your hand. You realize that moving was not the solution to your problems. Your problems went with you to Ohio right? You can't really afford this thing that you just signed your name to for 30 or 15 years or five years if it's a vehicle. You eventually realize that you did not include God on 
any of your, in any of your decisions, at least for a while. And it has brought a lot of pain and trouble and burdens that you were not meant to carry. And it was all because you shifted into this autopilot mode. I really believe that's what we sometimes do in the summer. We just shift into, I don't really need church. I don't really need God. I'm on vacation for three months. And I'm good. As long as life is good. And then the moment September 11th happens, whoosh, everybody all of a sudden sees their need for God and church. There's a fear that comes. The world may end. I may die. Right? Doing life on your own. When I was sitting at my desk that day and, and I was crying, with the weight of all of this new responsibility, I realized something. And I actually said it out loud in tears. I can't do this alone. I thought I could. I thought I was ready. But I quickly realized in the first two weeks of my ministry that I would constantly need the Lord's direction if I was going to be successful in building His kingdom, at least here, right? Isn't that true for all of us, though? That's how I want to end this series. And here it is in a nutshell. And then we're going to talk about what this quote means from the book. But here, here it is, the first thing in your notes that I want you to fill out. It's basically the statement. And then I'm going to have a bigger statement after this that I really want you to remember. There is no automatic pilot by which we can run our lives we constantly need the Lord's direction as we face all the decisions of life. Let me repeat that. There is no automatic pilot that a believer can run their life with, or basically anybody really. We constantly need the Lord's direction as we face all the decisions of our life. lives. In other words, if we want to be a church that God blesses, if we want to be a, a believer that God blesses, or a leader that God blesses, we must constantly seek God's will and direction. That's what that statement means. As a church, we need to seek God for a fresh vision and make sure we're lined up with our vision. Make sure we're going in the right direction that He wants us to go in. Because He's the one that builds the church. We just do our part by pulling weeds and mowing the grass and fixing up the interior and the exterior like we're doing so that we can make it a place that's inviting and welcoming for people. And then we leave the rest up to Him. We hit our knees and we ask God for a vision and we, we ask God to take the sin out of our life so that we can be holy for Him and we can transform lives just by our lives. We must constantly seek God, God's will and direction every day as believers for every decision that we make. Every decision that we make. Every decision that we make. Come on, let's go. Every decision we make. You don't think God cares about you going into debt for a $40,000 truck? Yes, He does. Because then you become a slave to the debt. He does care about that. And we have to constantly seek God's will and direction if we're a leader of a ministry. We have to seek Him for guidance for our ministries. And here's an important piece of the puzzle in your notes. The blessing of God. Remember the open heaven that we talked about? The blessing of God, an open heaven, always depends on the devotion of our hearts. It always depends on how devoted you are in your heart towards God. That's why the last two sermons that you heard are so crucial to you in receiving God's favor and blessing on your life. You have to confess your sin. 
You can't just ignore it. You have to consistently confess your sin. And then, I don't know about you, but last week, in the first 10 minutes, she hadn't even started preaching. And if she would have done an altar call, I would have been the first one up at the altar. I was convicted in the first 10 minutes because that's the way pride is. I think we all struggle with pride. And I heard some stories of some of you really struggled with last week's message. Good. Because we're doing this. No, Satan. I will not leave that pride there. We have to remain humble and we have to consistently confess our sin if we want to be blessed and have the favor of God on our life. This is nowhere better illustrated than in the life of one of God's favorite in the Old Testament, David. David went from being a simple shepherd boy to being the king of Israel. Do you believe that for your life? That he doesn't want you to just to sit in a chair every Sunday and hear a message and, don't, and never do anything? He wants you to wreck the kingdom of God. He wants you to do something. He wants you to go to places. Sometimes even if your pastor doesn't like it and you leave for Russia for three months, pastor's stomping his foot going, but she's mine, Lord. And he's like, no, no, no. This is a world changer. Don't hold her back. But I need her. Do you know, do you know how David went from being a little shepherd boy to the king of Israel? And we've already talked about this all through this series. Because God was with him. David had a special favor of God on his life, would you agree? Because he messed up a lot. And he ended up becoming a man after God's own heart. He had the heart of God. He eventually got the heart of God in him. So as long as you realize David had a special favor on his life, but not everyone had that favor. We talked about this. Some individuals in churches have an open heaven over them or a greater grace and blessings than others have. It's just true. We don't know why, but it's just true. And this was the case with David. He faced tremendous odds and powerful enemies. And yet, he stood triumphant in the end because God's hand was with him. David's life is an absolutely fascinating illustration of just how wonderful it is to live under God's special care. And I want to be a church that's there, and I want you to live there. And we find one of the most interesting secrets to David's unique relationship with the Lord. And it's a story from 1 Chronicles 14 if you want to start turning there. Otherwise, it'll be up on the screen. 1 Chronicles 24 is a very, it's an obscure story that you probably don't remember. You may have never read it before. And you could probably think, I've read every story of David. I know all the stories of David. But honestly, you may not be familiar with this one. Up to this point, David had survived more than 10 years of being hunted by Remember the jealous King Saul? He survived 10 years of King Saul hunting him. Well, King Saul recently died. God watched over and protected David, and he promoted him at last, like he promised when he was a little boy, to the throne of Israel. And as the new king, David had the support of all of the nations of the 12 tribes. He had the support of all 12 tribes. There was an excitement in Jerusalem, and we see this. In verse 2 of 1 Chronicles 14, the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that his kingdom had been highly exalted for the sake of his people Israel. Right when things couldn't be better, there's an excitement in the whole land. There's so much energy and momentum that you can feel it. David's popularity is at an all-time high. Everything is good. So we can just sit back, shift into autopilot, 
or hit the autopilot button, and we can just sit here and enjoy the favor of God. Saul's gone. David's in power. We're celebrating. We have nothing to worry about. This is what we call a spiritual high. This is what you feel when you come home from a conference or a missions trip. We can go to church when we feel like it. We can skip tithing for the whole summer. We can put our Bible down for a while. We can even lock up our prayer closet until we find out we have cancer or something like that. Then we'll hit our knees again. We can give our vocal cords a break from worshiping. And then, just as it happens in our lives, we experience verse 8. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all of Israel... They went up and partied with him. Is that what it says? They went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it, and he went out to meet meet them. This is a great reminder for the church of God and the people that God blesses. No matter how wonderfully the Lord has worked on our behalf, you have to realize spiritual enemies are still positioned against us. And we will encounter spiritual attacks until Jesus comes again. In your notes. That is just a plain fact of spiritual warfare. It is. I hate to tell you this, but we're going to give you some good news today on how to battle that. It would be wise to keep this in mind, by the way. Because just like with this obscure story of David that we're reading that most of us don't remember in your notes, Satan's most strategic moments occurs when a great victory has just been won. And we're kind of on a spiritual high. A plain fact of spiritual warfare is one of Satan's strategic strategies is when you have just come home from a conference and you're on a spiritual high, or you just gave your heart to the Lord, and now you think life is just going to be perfect. Right when a great victory has been won, Satan loves to come in and spoil it. Would you agree? Those of you that have experienced this, just say amen. Anytime you hear something, you agree. So that the other people in the room that are struggling with this message, they know you've gone through it, and this is just the truth and not Mark Letcher's idea. The Philistines, for example, they didn't care at all about this excitement and happiness about David becoming the king. They didn't care at all about God's promise, that God's promise has just come to pass. They came up in full force with one thing on their mind, to find David and to kill David. They didn't care that there was a great party going on in Jerusalem or with the nation of Israel. And you know what? That's the way Satan always is. And he always will be until he meets his final doom in the fire of hell. He always will want to spoil your spiritual high moments. He's always looking for you and he's always wanting to destroy you. In your notes. He is a relentless foe who knows that spiritual high moments often cause us to relax our guard and we become less aware that he is still on the prowl and approaching us. Listen, we're not exalting Satan in any way this morning, but you have to be aware of your enemy. Okay, this is a teaching on what your enemy is up to so that you know how to defeat him. So he's not happy with this this morning. 
I know this in my spirit. He is a relentless foe who knows that spiritually high moments often cause us to relax our guard and we become less aware that he's still on the prowl and wanting to destroy us. Now, we know this because some of us have experienced this. In fact, some of you experienced this kind of attack during your inner healing experience. It wasn't as great as other people experienced. It wasn't as freeing as other people. I urge you not to get discouraged and to keep fighting for your freedom, to go through another session and another and another until you get your freedom. Why would Satan be happy that you are going into a room and asking for forgiveness for things that you've held on to for 25 years? He's had you in bondage, and he wants to keep you there. So, of course, he's going to discourage you. Of course, he's going to try to take away your spiritual high. Some of you that went through it and got your freedom, all of a sudden, seven days later, you're back into an, a, the same sin that you were into when you thought would go away just when you, when you went through inner healing. It's because your enemy is relentless. He knows that if you actually walk holy before your God, you're going to take other people with you, and he doesn't want you to have any kind of impact. He wants you to actually take people to hell with you. And hell was never meant to be for you or the people following you. Only for him. We also know this is true because story after story in the Word of God, tragic stories of people who fell into awful danger during, listen, during, the most blessed time of their lives. You can read them all throughout the Bible. Listen, our enemy, you have to understand, our enemy has a whole different group of temptations in his arsenal that he reserves just for times when you are receiving the favor of God in your life. And we need to ask God for more grace so that we can follow this scriptural warning from 1 Peter 5.8, which I know most of you are familiar with. Be alert. Be alert. That means... Have some self-control. Be vigilant, watchful, and of sober mind, which means clear-minded, basically. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Let's just remember as we read that, that experiencing God's blessing doesn't make us less of a target for the devil. In fact, it probably draws special attention to us in your notes. But, and it's a big but, and I do not lie, but God is able, God is able to give us the victory over every satanic assault. Did you hear that? Our, our enemy is relentless, and he knows that spiritual high moments cause us to relax our guard and become less aware that he's on the prowl. And he has a whole bunch of temptations that he saves just for you when you relax spiritually but god is able to give us victory over every satanic assault so i just want to talk real quick before we move on to the first chronicles real short honestly how how we can be self-controlled and alert how can we be self-controlled and alert well first of all being self-controlled involves keeping in fellowship with god Galatians 5.16 says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify the lusts of the flesh. You want to know why you keep sinning in the same area? You're not walking in step with God. You're not in fellowship with Him. Be in communication with God throughout the day. When you sin, run immediately back into the embrace of Jesus. 
Confess your sin to God and others when it's appropriate. Restore that sweet fellowship. That's how David became a man after God's own heart. He eventually realized this. I cannot make one decision without God. So when that person calls you and says, hey, uh, I know last week you said you had church, but you want to go out drinking tonight? Um, I'll call you back. I'm going to ask God what he thinks about this. I'm being serious. That's not a joke. Let me go to the Word of God. Let me ask God. God, are you okay with me going out and getting drunk and then maybe asking for forgiveness tomorrow? God, is it okay to have her over tonight? Even though you convicted me about this and told me that I should never be alone with another woman? Just, just one time. I mean, I'm struggling here. I need somebody, right? Before you come over, let me pray to God and I'm going to ask if he wants you to come over and have sex with me. It sounds silly, doesn't it? Being alert. That's being self-controlled. Self-controlled involves keeping in fellowship with God. Being alert involves you having an awareness that Satan and his legions are at every turn looking to lead you into sin. Being alert includes learning from the past. In what areas have you failed previously? What can you learn from it? And then plan ahead. Make a plan to succeed. If you fail to plan, you, f- you plan to fail. That's the quote. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So if Saturday night is a temptation to you, start going over to someone else's house, maybe somebody in the church, so you won't be so tempted to go to the bar. Go to the gym on the days that you're tempted to, to have sex with somebody or Fill it with something of God or just fill it with something other than the sin. I've told people if you can't control yourself with pornography, get rid of the computer or put something in place where you can protect yourself. I don't understand why I keep failing and failing. God, why do I keep failing and failing? Oh, now you're talking to me. Talk to me when you're tempted, and I'll help you through it. The story goes on in 1 Chronicles 14. David goes out to meet them in verse 8. And then let's see how David responds to his attack in, uh, this attack in verse 9. Now the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Raphaim. So David inquired of God. He went to God and asked God, what do you think? What should I do? Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, Go, I will deliver them into your hands. Now, if you know the whole story, you would see that David's response here, especially after what we just said, what's going on in Jerusalem, is a little unusual. David was at the height of his popularity. His army was powerful. They were ready to defend the nation. Whatever he decided, the people would be behind him. He didn't need to take a vote whether to go to war or not. And on top of that, remember, the Philistines' army was just defeated a couple years earlier when David killed their champion, Goliath. So with excitement and the blessing and favor of God in the atmosphere, you would think that this new anointed king would do what most other kings would have done. He would have rushed out with his army and he would have done battle because he knew God is behind me, right? I read my Bible. I can just go into this battle and I can take them out because I'm favored by God. I mean, that's what we would do. That's what we actually do. 
we rush into decisions and we even say sometimes that God wanted me to buy this car. <laughs> God wanted me to do, God's behind me. When we never prayed about it to begin with. And if we did pray, we didn't sit long enough quietly to actually listen to what God would say. God, do you want me to buy this car? I knew it, God. I knew it. I knew you wanted me to have it. The bank approved me. Thank you, God. <laughs> right? Come on, I'm just as guilty of this, so I know. I know because I talk from experience. Most of the time, when we have a question about what we should do, we never go to this to find out if it lines up with this. Should I continue to sleep with her? Let me find out. Is what Pastor Mark says about drinking and getting drunk right? Let me go find out from the truth, not Pastor Mark. David had every right to believe that he could have just rushed out into the battlefield with God's blessing and just destroy his enemies. But that's not what David did at all. In your notes, David humbled himself before God. You see why Amy's sermon is so key last week? He humbled himself before God and requested divine direction as to whether he should fight, that, this is really important, this battle. Then he asked whether God would go with him. Isn't it interesting? Will you deliver them into my hands? Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you go with me in power, God? I don't want to go alone. I know I could probably do this without you, but I don't want to. Listen to me. Did you hear that statement? It's in your notes. David didn't want to be in the wrong battle at the wrong time. So he inquired of the Lord. He asked God for some information. By the way, you know why he asked the Lord? Because the Lord knows everything. He knows all things. What if, what if, what if God didn't want David to rush into battle? What if he wanted him to be like Gideon and just kind of stand up on the mountainside and, and, and smash a bunch of clay pots and then watch the enemies kill each other? What if Gideon didn't inquire of the Lord of what he should do? He didn't even have to lift a sword. They killed each other. This is the power we're going to talk about. That you have running through your veins. That you have in your master if you call out to him and ask him, what shall I do before you do it? Although David was blessed and favored and anointed, David would not move without God's approval and promise of blessing. No wonder David had such a special place in the heart of Jehovah. He would not move without God's blessing. You know, I just thought of something. Um, Katie's going to yell at me for constantly talking about her, but maybe you didn't know who I was talking about earlier. But, maybe, but you know, before she left for Russia, she really blew me away, and she, ta she taught me something that I really think you need to hear, and anybody listening to this. She said, I want your blessing, Pastor. God's already given me my marching orders, but I will not go without your blessing. Because I think that's what membership really means. I want your release and your blessing to go to Russia. I did not feel worthy of that, but I was like, wow. 
She just took membership for me, the commitment to a church, to a whole nother level. I want to know you're behind me. I want to know you're going to be praying for me and not cursing me. She didn't say that, but I'm adding to it now. That's what I really believe membership means. I've committed myself, and I don't want to separate myself without the blessing of the church, the leaders in the church. Wow. Listen, if we want to see God fighting our battles, we must pause and think about this very carefully. It's the quote that we started with, and I'm going to put it up again. We really need to think about this. There is no automatic pilot by which we can run our lives. We constantly need the Lord's direction as we face all the decisions of life. Think about this. Jesus did this. In John 5, 19, he said, The Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. And then again, whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. This would keep a lot of us out of sin right here. And another statement I'm going to make in a moment. I only do what the Father wants me to do, and I only say what the Father wants me to say. I only do what the Father's doing, and I guarantee you my Father is not in sin. And I only say what my Father says, and as much as I want to tell that person what I think about what they did to me at work, that's not what my Father would say. I will not retaliate. I will stop and pause and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with Susie? And he's going to tell you something really radical. He's going to say, I want you to take her out to lunch and bless her. (laughs) I knew I shouldn't have prayed. That's a lot harder than just slashing her tires. If the Lord was never with any king more than David, yet he still had to seek God for every fresh instruction, then what do you think about our need to wait before God for fresh instructions for our life? If he was with David more than anybody else, and it's not even going to come close to the favor that you're going to have, don't you think you should be going to the Lord for instructions? Just as David did? Another important truth about this story is in verse 10, and I love it. The Lord answered him. Bing, bing, ding, ding, ding. The Lord answered him. What else would a loving, heavenly father do but happily respond when his child comes before him in prayer with a humble and teachable spirit? There's, you know, we, 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 we bash teenagers here. I'm really sorry, Lauren, and those of you that are teenagers, but we love you, okay? And we know that you're not one of the, one, the kind of teenager that I talk about up front because you're good Christian teenagers, Okay. We know that you don't, you're not going to leave early and you're not going to think you're smarter than your parents. But isn't it great, parents, when your kids get about 20-some years old and they realize how stupid they were when they were teenagers and they actually come to you and they say, Mom and Dad, I, I, we have a decision to make and we need you help. We want you to pray with us. Will you help us make this decision? We don't want to rush into it. Isn't that phenomenal? Where, where have you been? <laughs> Did you see the gray hairs? You did that. But we don't say that, do we? Because we, we don't want them to have a flashback. And I keep looking at Don and Brenda for some reason because I know their kids are grown. Isn't it awesome when they come to you and they say, will you pray with me? Will you help me make this decision? That's how your heavenly father feels when you include him on your decisions. Instead of this independent know-it-all. who's constantly making mistakes, constantly heaping pain on their life, and, and thinking it's because God's angry at them. 
The Lord answered him. Will God ever turn you away to fend for yourself when he knows that you want his blessing and direction? Never. As we learned a couple of weeks ago, however, if you seek sin, he may hand you over to your enemies. We read that story. But if you seek him, he will guide you into many blessings and favor. If you want sin, he'll hand you over to sin. If you want him, he will bless you and you will have the favor of God on your life. Verse 11. So David and his men went up to Baal Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, this is your verse for the day, I'm telling you, this is powerful. As waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies. How? By me doing my part, by my hand. God broke out by my hand. That right there will keep you out of sin. At least help you. I'm not saying you, you, you know, listen, we don't, we, we preach holiness here, but we, I understand, you understand that you're probably going to go to your deathbed struggling, but it doesn't mean you have to choose it. I struggle with a lot of sin. Even this morning, the enemy was attacking me during worship and I was struggling with some sin and I said, no, I'm not going there. What do you, you want me to do something I haven't done in 10 years? What are you talking about? You're an idiot. I'm worshiping God here. I don't have time to think about a sin that I gave up 10 years ago that you want me to commit today. What? Do you, what? You're a moron. Get out of my mind. I don't have time for you today. I'm worshiping the king. See, he's trying to get me off the message. I didn't think pastors thought about sin. Oh. All right, here's your statement of the day. Get ready. Don't Listen. This is the bottom line for today's message. You need to wake up for this. You need to be sober-minded right now because we have to learn to live by this next statement. When we seek the Lord concerning His will for our lives and when we desire His presence above all else, the result will be breakout power. And that breakout power is a combination of God has broken out along with by my hand. Isn't it great that he includes us in his breakout power? Isn't it awesome that his power runs through our veins? We get to partner with him in defeating enemies. It's basically God working on my, my behalf while I fight bravely in his name. That's basically what that statement means. When we seek the Lord concerning his will for our lives and when we desire his presence above all else, the result will be breakout power. Who doesn't want to live in that? This is what I want for you and for, and for me, but especially for our church. Why? Because I believe, as I was writing this, that the only thing that will separate us from the dead churches and the churches who want to entertain you and tickle your ears just to grow is that we are moving in the breakout power of God. I think that will be more attractive than playing Justin Timberlake on Sunday morning. And I won't settle for anything less than the breakout power of God. And I will not use Justin Timberlake to grow my church. I don't need Justin Timberlake. I want to rely on the power of God. I hope you're with me. Because I need you to be right alongside with me. I can't do this myself. I believe that a church that has the favor of God in an open heaven will be far more attractive to the human spirit and soul than a church who performs and entertains for their people. I want to lead a church that's so blessed and so favored that our whole community is transformed because Jesus, not Justin Timberlake, 
is being exalted. Do you hear me? God is a breakout specialist who delivers us from opposing forces and sets us free so that we can better serve Him. Our story goes on. Just like with our life, the conflict wasn't over. They were defeated. And then once again, in verse 13, the Philistines attack them. They were pretty persistent. They probably had a lot fewer men, but they wouldn't give up. What is David going to do now? He just won a battle. He doesn't need to go and ask God again, does he? You better believe it. Verse 14. So David inquired of God again. David wouldn't budge unless he again had God's consent. God faithfully answered David, but this time what's interesting is God gave him new and specific instructions on how to fight this battle. He goes on in verse 14, and God answered him, do not go directly after them this time, David. I want you to circle around them and attack attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, which is pretty crazy, then move out in battle because that will mean God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as God commanded. What does that mean, David did as God commanded? That means David waited patiently on the Lord before he moved. He waited for the sound in the trees. And can you imagine the the army was probably like, oh man, they're so small, we're going to wipe them out. This is going to be so easy. I don't know why David has to ask God. Why does pastor have to ask God for a fresh vision? I thought we were fine. They struck down the entire Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. In your notes. Because David asked first, because David actually listened for God's voice, and instead of rushing into the situation... The Lord gave a specific strategy to his servant on how to fight this battle. What humility and trust this story shows on the part of David. And what amazing illustration that, is, that this is of God's great love. David didn't have to wonder, he didn't have to worry, and he didn't have to figure out things for himself. God, again, proved that he is the true commander of the army of the Lord. Everything David needed to know concerning the battle was given to him, right down to the exact timing of the army's assault. In your notes, here's some lessons that we're going to close with. The lesson is is two pieces. The big lesson is this. We must stay. We must remain in the vine. Right, Jerry? Abide in the vine. We must remain close in close communion and connection with our Lord if we're going to enjoy His full blessing. Also in your notes, the second statement. We need to constantly seek God for fresh guidance and we also need to be sensitive to the Lord's timing concerning our actions. As we wait before the Lord, we will learn to hear the sound of the Holy Spirit's voice in our hearts. And then we will learn when to move out in God's perfect plan for our lives. Maybe you face a difficult choice today. Maybe it's related to your marriage or a child or a job or possibly you need God to heal you with your emotions or maybe even physically. Whatever the case, remember, 
we have a God who can break out and supernaturally help us. And it all begins when you slow down, you humble yourselves in prayer, and then listen for God's instruction, and then obey. What an amazing honor it is to serve the God who shows himself strong during our weakest moments. Right when the enemy's attacking and we don't have to panic, we don't have to drop the oars of our canoe. Remember that series? We can just wait on the Lord and say, Lord, how do I do? What do I do? The Lord wants to use his breakout power to transform our times of fear, our times of worry, and our times of trouble. Every challenge we face is just another opportunity to pray and yield ourselves to God's tender, powerful hands. And then we can rest and wait for God to show up and break out against our enemies. Wow. That's a church that God blesses, a church that just waits on the Lord. That's a believer that God blesses. That doesn't just rush into things because they feel good, or they look good, or they smell good. And that's a leader, a leader who's leading a ministry will wait on the Lord before they make a decision to do a car wash or whatever, right? Lord, do we need to trust you for this money or do we go ahead and do the car wash? Because the last car wash, only three people showed up to work it. And I'm, I get pretty frustrated with your children when we do a car wash. Do I need to just trust you? Ask them. Let's take out our connection cards. That wasn't directed at you, by the way. It's just the first thing I could think of. <laughs> maybe you're here today and you've never asked the Lord into your heart. And you, maybe box number one is the spiritual decision that you're going to make today. To begin a relationship with Jesus by trusting Him with your life. Ask God to forgive you from your sins and make Jesus the master of your life so that you can find out what it actually means to live a blessed life. He will show you. Maybe you just walked away from God or the church and you want to renew your relationship. Box number two. That's the spiritual decision that you're going to make today. To ask God to forgive you for walking away from Him and His church and to restore you back so that you can experience His breakout power again. You, did, you used to experience it, but you walked away because a church hurt you. And you want to get back into that. Number three, the, typically this third one is for believers who seem to be stuck. They just are stuck in their walk with God. Maybe you just need to seek God for His breakout power to help you to enjoy His full blessings again. We're going to give you an opportunity at the altar, and, and the leaders can come and pray if you want. If not, you can just tell them you're good. But I really, I really think we need to hit our needs. And I, I've asked Richard to play a song that was on my heart. And we're going to do some battle this morning. You're free to go once we close. But listen, if you're a believer that's stuck, you need to come and pray for God's breakout power. You may not even know why you're stuck, but ask God to reveal it to you. And then there's those of us, box number four, and that's typically for the mature Christians in the room, people that have been following Christ for some time. Maybe, maybe there's decisions that are coming up. And maybe you're on autopilot because things are good and you are good with your God. You're, your God. you're spending time with your Bible and you're spending time in your prayer closet. You're listening to Christian music. You're not going on Saturday night and getting drunk like Pastor Mark was talking about. You're not having sex outside of marriage like Pastor Mark was talking about. Things are good. So I can just kind of cruise through this message. Ah, ah, ah. No. Learn to seek God and wait for fresh guidance for every decision in your life. Maybe God wants you to give, give you a fresh vision for your life in your walk with Him. 
Maybe he hasn't given you any marching orders in a long time. Ask God for new marching orders, a new vision for your personal life, for your spiritual walk. Place those in the baskets on your way out. Thank you for uh, participating in that. As we have done over the last couple weeks, um, we have been ending with a prayer and a declaration, and that's what we're going to do today. And I want you to read this out, uh, out loud for me, uh, with me. And then, obviously, if you need some breakout power, we want you to come to the altar um, and ask God for that. Let's read this prayer together in closing. Did I put it in there or no? I didn't put it in there? All right, so I'll close your eyes. I didn't type it up. Sorry. Wow. Sorry for that. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we make this a prayer and a declaration this morning. We are focused on you. We are aware of our enemy, but we are focused on you. And we will not walk around and just say, oh, I'm so defeated. I'm so defeated. No, the power of God is rushing through my veins. And the enemy is under my foot. All I need to do is ask the Lord, how do I fight this battle? So Father, lead us step by... Here's the declaration. Father, say it with me. Father, lead us step by step every day of our lives. Give us a humble, childlike heart that will listen for and then obey your voice. We want to experience your power so that spiritual walls will be broken down. In Christ's name, arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. We ask this in the authority of Jesus' name. Amen. Walk in it. Angel's going to close as... as you come. This morning in intercession, she had a couple of visions and then I had a vision. She actually felt the rumble of God's marching, warring angels come into this place. And then she saw a battlefield where the enemy was completely slaughtered just as in the day of the Old Testament. So this morning, before Pastor even spoke, he knew the battles that you were walking in with. You need to know that your enemy was slaughtered today. But I also believe that we have a part in that. So as we sing the song together that Mark has, you need to know in your heart and you need to declare in your heart, enemy, I'm a child of the king. Who do you think you are today? Because you are defeated. So I just really want you to know. And then I had a vision shortly after that vision of God's worshiping angels coming in and surrounding you. And I saw you break out and dance because your enemy was defeated. So let's break out because he is under our feet. And he has moved already before this sermon. He's already moved on your behalf. Victory is yours today. Amen. So let's worship. Stand. This is how I find my battles. 